Hello, I'm Faith Rogers, host of today's program, COVID-19, Keeping Up with a Moving Target. This activity is jointly provided by the Postgraduate Institute for Medicine, DKB Med, and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Today's program is accredited for ANCC and AAPA credit, as well as AMA PRA Category 1 credits. Please visit our website for complete CE information. If you're tuning into our webcast, please click the red claim credit button in the webinar console to attest for credit. Otherwise, please visit covid19.dkbmed.com. Today's learning objectives are to discuss the safety of the COVID-19 vaccine during pregnancy and to discuss the risk of COVID-19 in pregnancy. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Gilead Sciences Incorporated. All activity content and materials have been developed solely by the activity directors, planning committee members, and faculty presenters. With us today, we have Dr. Paul Allwater, Clinical Director of the Division of Infectious Diseases at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Today, he will be interviewing Dr. Maddie Travers, a public health consultant and co-founder and lead sleep trainer at Littlest Learners. She will be discussing maternal health and COVID-19. So, Dr. Allwater and Maddie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Faith, and uh, I'm delighted that Maddie's been able to join us today. I'd have to say, over the summer with the Delta variant, um, we've seen younger people being admitted to the hospital with severe COVID-19, and some of the trickiest patients that we've had to manage are pregnant women who, unfortunately, many of them end up with a greater severity of illness, uh, they're in the intensive care unit, and of course, there is um, not wonderful information about safety and therapeutics in this population because they're so excluded from uh, the standard trials from COVID-19. So delighted that you could join us. Uh, I think just to start off, um, you know, pregnancy, of course, has always been a condition that uh, has predisposed to problems. Influenza is probably one of the most um, ones that I've uh, mostly spoken about in the past uh, years. Uh, what can you tell us a bit about what we know about pregnancy and COVID-19 and risks for severe illness? So this is a great question. Um, it's one that I've gotten a lot throughout the course of the pandemic, especially from parents and from expectant mothers. And I've really had the privilege to translate academic and scientific literature to these populations to help put their minds at ease whenever possible. What we do know about pregnant women in terms of COVID is that although the actual risk of severe illness and death among unvaccinated pregnant individuals is very low, it is higher when compared to non-pregnant um, unvaccinated individuals of the same age. And for those who are pregnant, we know that there's a higher risk of hospitalization higher risk of being admitted to the ICU um, and needing more intensive care, including breathing support. And those who are admitted are at higher risk of dying, unfortunately. Um, research also suggests that having COVID may increase risk for premature birth, particularly among those who experience severe illness. Um, and there's also some data to support that COVID among pregnant women may increase the risk of pregnancy loss. Um, so far, studies really have not identified any birth defects as related to COVID, which is at least one encouraging piece of news. Um, and while transmission of the virus from mother to baby is possible, we're not seeing that very commonly either. Yeah, so compared to earlier in the pandemic, and perhaps people were being more cautious then, um, or perhaps the Delta variant just, we know, certainly has higher viral carriage, it's much more transmissible. 
And, and I think there has been some relaxation of uh, people's guard, even if you're pregnant, that may be contributing. I, I don't know if there are any firm numbers, but my impression, at least in our hospital system, is the number of pregnant people in hospital has increased relative to earlier in the pandemic. As far as I know, there's no data to actually support the trend. Um, it may just be an artifact of the area in which you're practicing, um, but it's an interesting anecdotal um, piece of evidence. So uh, along those lines, uh, many women are hesitant to start a new drug, add um, immunizations, although there's a long history for immunizing against tetanus and acellular pertussis, also influenza. Of course, the uh, COVID vaccines have been developed rapidly, some of them on uh, novel platforms and so on. Uh, what do we know about uh, immunizations in the setting of pregnancy and maternal health? So as you mentioned earlier, unfortunately, none of the vaccine trials initially chose to recruit pregnant individuals. However, studies have been conducted since vaccines became available among vaccine volunteers who were pregnant, and research has consistently indicated that pregnant women actually tolerate the vaccine very well, and that there's not an increased risk of reaction or side effect in pregnant individuals beyond what would be expected in the general population. Um, we also do have some other compelling evidence from um, other types of studies outside of clinical trials. There are animal models um, where animals received Moderna, Pfizer, or the J&J vaccine before or during pregnancy, and no safety concerns were found among pregnant animals or their babies. Um, there's also, I think, evidence that's really important to bring to the table is that um, for women who receive the J&J &J vaccine, we know that vaccines that use that same viral vector have been given to pregnant people in all trimesters of pregnancy and have been um, studied really well at a large scale, um, particularly around the Ebola vaccination, which uses um, a viral vector as well. And no pregnancy, uh, no adverse pregnancy-related outcomes were, were found in those trials. Um, and then in terms of early data on the safety of receiving an mRNA vaccine, I know because it's relatively new technology for some people, um, that's causing a little bit more anxiety. But uh, these early data are really reassuring. And um, based on what we're seeing from several safety monitoring systems that are um, being spearheaded by the CDC, there are no reason to have any safety concerns. And it seems that pregnant people as well as their babies are really doing very well with the vaccine. Um, the other thing that I think I have to add is that we know that the vaccination of pregnant people builds antibodies, which actually may protect their baby. So not only are we seeing that the vaccine is likely safe, I think there's possibly a, a real benefit to both mother and baby to being vaccinated. Um, although more data are really needed to determine how the antibodies may provide protection and for how long that protection might last. Um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say you, you make so many excellent points that uh, at least in terms of available data and surveillance, even if not in a clinical trial, there doesn't seem to be serious signals. Now, you know, starting all the way back at the beginning, I know last December there was the start on social media of concerns about um, the vaccines affecting fertility because of some overlap and so on. Uh, what, what's been your perspective? Is that something that um, uh, remains a genuine concern in terms of just um, conception issues or, or maintenance of the placenta and so on? Um, you've mentioned that you haven't seen um, 
fetal malformations, um, early uh, pregnancies or anything. Uh, what level of assurance do you think uh, is really needed to try to help engage? Because uh, the most recent rates that I found, especially uh, in women that perhaps less than a quarter of pregnant women are mm -hmm. immunized now. That's true. It's uh, based um, on the numbers that I've seen as well. It's about a quarter, and that's compared to about 75% of all people ages 18 and older. So we're really lagging behind in this population. And if you look at subsets of the population, the rates are even lower among um, Black and Latina mothers. So I think that that's really an area of concern as well. And if I had to sum all of that up, I think it's really um, Partially, it's just historical mistrust of the medical system. Um, but I also think that in this case, it's really that because pregnant women weren't enrolled in those clinical trials right off the bat, um, public health officials were unsure themselves and sent very mixed messages about the safety of the vaccines in the beginning, which led to just vast confusion. And I think a lot of that then was published on social media and, and snowballed um, and a lot of misinformation was spread. So I think many women are still just wary of um, for fear that the vaccines could hurt them or their developing fetus. Um, but in terms of questions about um, fertility, that is another question that I commonly get. Um, but really, I've reassured women who have asked me about it that there's currently no evidence of any kind um, that indicates that vaccines overall, including COVID-19 vaccines, cause fertility problems in women or men. Um, so I, I don't think that that's something that should hold people back from getting this vaccine. Uh, certainly, uh, trying to keep people as healthy as possible uh, is highly important. But let's say uh, a woman who's pregnant does contract COVID-19, some of the available treatments are these monoclonal antibodies, which are directed um, against the spike protein, like the Regeneron product and so on. Um, for, for those uh, uh, patients where you might be considering, especially if they're immunized or unimmunized, uh, do we know anything, and this may be an unfair question about use of monoclonal antibodies uh, in pregnant women? So to my knowledge, um, the, it just has not been studied adequately, which unfortunately is sort of the blanket statement that can be made about this population um, in regard to this virus. It's just still so early and the population is so small. Um, I don't think that we have enough evidence or have um, followed this for long enough to be able to draw any real conclusions. Yeah, on, but I, I think other, it's something of interest for sure. Yeah, absolutely. On the other hand, there's certainly a track record of um, uh, pregnant women getting um, immunoglobulin products uneventfully. Um, so it's, I, I think, as always, these always end up being shared decision-making uh, kinds of uh, uh, situations between uh, the uh, pregnant woman and the clinician to try to decide on the best course of action based on very limited data. But so much of what you've mentioned is, is, is so helpful. Uh, are there anything that you can gather for clinicians that are helpful uh, in an effort to try to convince women that pregnancy is in the best interest for their own health and also for maintaining their pregnancy and, of course, their baby's health? I think that um, it's really right now on the shoulders of providers to put women at ease um, and to really... Um, be myth busters and, and to um, sort of set them straight on a lot of the misinformation that has been spread and to help eliminate um, and alleviate some of the fears and anxieties that they're experiencing during their pregnancies. Because uh, I do think that the primary thing that's driving the women that I'm encountering is fear. 
um, and, and that they're really not sure whether they should get the vaccine and if so, when they should get it. And their primary concern is generally, will my baby be safe? So I think if you know a, a provider can offer comfort across those questions, um, then women you know, will be more encouraged to get the vaccine. Do we know anything about uh, breastfeeding and immunization, whether women decide to be immunized during pregnancy or um, perhaps after, uh, you know, postpartum um, an effort? Uh, because as far as my understanding, in, infants actually, uh, whereas children generally aren't at high risk, in, infants can, uh, of course, acquire uh, the coronavirus and potentially have serious illness. So that's another great um, upside to getting the vaccine as a pregnant woman, especially if you plan on nursing. There's evidence that women who have been vaccinated, um, not only do they produce antibodies, but that those antibodies uh, can be transferred through breast milk to their newborn baby. Um, we're not sure exactly how long the antibodies will continue to be transferred through the breast milk, um, but early evidence suggests that it probably confers at least six months of protection, which we know is such a vital period in a newborn baby's life. Um, so I think that in, when there's no vaccine that can be offered to a young child, it's an amazing replacement as a, a protective measure. So there, there's so many uh, questions. Of course, this is such a vulnerable population that we'd love to have more solid data. What, in the closing minutes, uh, Maddie, do you feel are some of the um, really pressing needs in terms of filling in gaps uh, uh, for women and pregnant women, especially with regards to uh, existing vaccines? I think that there's just a long history of women's health issues being neglected in public health research, which I think is being reflected here. Um, some people, I think, forget that it wasn't until the 1990s that women were even allowed to be included in clinical trials. So although there are clinical trials that are now underway for the COVID-19 vaccines, testing how they work in pregnant people, um, I think that in future trials, we really need to do a better job of including pregnant women from the beginning rather than as an afterthought, um, especially because this is such a vulnerable population and a population that's already prone to fear and anxiety um, as they seek to pr protect themselves and their child. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, oh so true. And, and of course, if you're developing a vaccine, you don't want to test it necessarily in this very you know, uh, a tricky population that you could have uh, adverse effects, at least when you're initially developing a product. But, um, you know, as a special area, I think this is one that hasn't had a lot of attention. We really, uh, when I'm trying to decide about vaccines, um, antibiotics, uh, the amount of information we have is all sort of collected over years and decades. So if we have something new, we really don't have much of a basis to help reassure ourselves or our patients. Exactly. Uh, so I really wanted to thank you so much for sharing um, your, your knowledge and uh, opinions uh, about uh, vaccines, especially in terms of trying to help uh, pregnant women uh, and uh, new mothers in uh, this current pandemic, which really has uh, created so much uh, difficulties. And uh, I hope this information was helpful uh, for caring for your patients. And uh, stay tuned to our next program where we'll uh, explore uh, some vaccine issues in uh, a population that is yet to be 
well immunized, and that's, of course, children. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Dr. Allwater and Dr. Travers, for that really valuable information today. Any questions or issues, feel free to email us at the address listed. To submit questions, please send them to qa at dkbmed.com. That's Q as in question, A as in answer, at dkbmed.com. Again, thanks for joining us and thank you for your dedication to your patients with COVID-19.